The Nikabi Diary Season 1 Illustrated Book is now available in paperback. Own your copy now by clicking the link in the description box. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Season 2 of the Nakabi Diaries podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing the stories of the women behind the veil. This season, we will be speaking to more Muslim women from all walks of life as we continue to discuss their deep and intimate reasons for wearing the niqab. The Niqabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister. How are you? I'm good. Alhamdulillah. Wa alaikum salam. It's amazing to be here. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair for joining us today on the Naqabi Diaries. Um, sister, could you please introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us a little bit about what you do, inshallah? Yeah, of course, inshallah. Um, so my name is Hafsa Dabiri. Um, I'm currently 22. Um, I work as the current editor-in-chief of a platform could, called Muslim, mvslim.com. Um, which is like a digital Muslim publication for Muslim millennials and Gen Z. Um, I also am a children's book author. Um, so I've written um, a book that's been published by Rokaya's Bookshelf a couple of years ago called Basira the Basketballer Says Inshallah. Um, and I also used to host the Discovery Talk Show, which is now kind of in a process of re- being rebranded. Um, and yeah, I you know have a social media platform and we create videos on there. Um, and sort of a lot of the work that I did initially was kind of surrounding um, sort of black Muslims and creating a space for black Muslims. Um, and that kind of, I think has just evolved um, within itself to kind of just be a bit more broader than that um, and sort of be more focused on black Muslim women um, and Muslim women in general. Um, but yeah, that's a bit about me. Alhamdulillah. At the age of 22 as well, we're definitely going to have to dig down into there and find out how did you get involved in all these things. Um, so sister, um, can you give us some um, like a little bit of information about your um, Islamic background and how you got to be wearing the niqab, inshallah? Yeah, so um, I my parents were both Muslim. My, um, my parent, my mum's uh, dad was Muslim and my dad's mum was uh, my dad's dad was Muslim sorry so my grand my granddad's on both sides were both Muslim and so both my parents kind of stuck with their dad's religion um, and um, grew up in kind of Nigeria um, learning as much as they could um, I think at that time um, which was unfortunately sort of limited compared to sort of the, the knowledge that is um, that, that is Islam um, they they could basically at that point um, and so you know they they knew kind of the first kind of chapters of the Quran and they knew how to pray and they kind of knew a bit about what what modesty was and then they came to the UK and sort of learned a lot more um, about that within the sort of Nigerian Muslim communities that um, we grew up in um, and so I was born here and um, I think my parents always understood the importance of faith and Islam. And so we initially went to a, an Islamic prim, uh, primary school when we were younger. Um, and that was kind of like the foundational um, part of who, how I became to be who I was basically in terms of um, being very grounded in understanding the faith. Um, but I would say that there was kind of a lot of conflict with then how my blackness sort of intertwined with that because a lot of the communities that I was involved with in the early stages were very sort of Asian Arab communities. But alhamdulillah, over the years, um, I, you know, I became, you know, I, I went to Islamic schools on Saturdays and Sundays, was learning Quran, learning Tawheed, kind of really getting to grips with understanding um, 
what the faith was about. Um, but funnily enough, um, obviously, because my parents came from Nigeria and the community that they joined here was a Nigerian Muslim community. So it was very much predominantly Maliki Medheb. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was kind of a lot of like Sufi elements and like um, kind of just a, a, things that just made me a bit like I just didn't really understand um, sort of what I was supposed to be following because I would go to an Islamic school that was predominantly um, sort of Salafi um, and then you know my teachers and the shiuch that taught me when I was um, in my weekend classes were all you know um, upon um, you know following Salaf al-Salih yeah. and it was very like um, kind of just conflicting I think to kind of have those experiences and then go mm -hmm. back into a, um, a household um, that was kind of doing things that weren't exactly in line with that Mm -hmm. um, but alhamdulillah it wasn't too far away from even now you know it, it wasn't too far away from where I am now in the sense of understanding um, what where where I'm supposed to be in terms of Islam um, so alhamdulillah for that bringing that my parents gave me and alhamdulillah for um, Allah SWT allowing them to kind of have that relationship with their parents and stay upon um, the sunnah at least um, and the Quran um, when they came into the UK um, and so yeah, I kind of, um, I think one of the uh, most um, conflicting parts of my life was probably when I was in university and you kind of, I was at Queen Mary. So there was like this huge ISOC culture that was like predominantly Salafi, um, but then it was kind of like not accepting of, not exactly kind of accommodating to black Muslims or like, you know, other types of madhahib and sort of bringing them in, in a way that um, kind of would educate them in a way mm -hmm. that kind of was positive. Um, and so, I kind of just I remember I just like pushed pushed it all away I was literally just like you know what I'm just going to stick with kind of this Maliki Sufi thing that's going on all of the kind of communities that I was around were all upon like this Maliki Sufi type thing mm -hmm. um, so I didn't really delve into what it meant to follow the Salaf and what it meant to follow the Quran and Sunnah sort of authentically mm -hmm. um, and with you know upon the, the true understanding of how the you know the companions of the Prophet ﷺ interpreted um, hadith etc and so I, I just pushed it away so it wasn't up until about a year and a half ago that I properly started to look into like what is my aqidah like what do I actually believe when it comes to um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how he how he wants to be worshipped and you know all of these different parts of um, tawheed that you know, you kind of just learn Tawheed al-Uluhiyya, but you never really truly kind of delve into it the way that you're supposed to, to be able to kind of know how to do those actions um, correctly. Um, and so a sister of mine gave me um, the book Usul al-Thalatha, and um, that was the first, I remember even when I got the book, I was in university when she gave me the book, and I didn't read it, I literally was just like, yeah, like this is a good book, and it, mm -hmm. you know, it's you know she was telling me you know how it was from authentic sources and how everything is just you know based upon Quran and Hadith and so it's all truth basically mm -hmm. what's in the book and I still didn't really open it. I just literally put it on my shelf and I was like yeah like this is a book that I'll probably read eventually and when I finally decided to pick it up and open it it was at that point that I was literally just like yeah <laughs> you know when the truth actually kind of like hits you yeah. you 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 don't have another choice but to kind of exactly. commit to it um literally to to accept it and commit to it and to just change on the spot there's you can't you you can't continue living life like you were blind essentially um and so a lot of the things that I would um kind of just brush off as being like yeah this is probably like you know I've got good intentions behind it so it's probably permissible um and not kind of and that was coming from a place of like nefsi of like my desire rather than understanding whether or not that thing will be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
Um, and so that's kind of really just changed how I reframed life in general. Um, and so when it came to the naqab, it was like, I cannot now continue to do what I do and put out the content that I've put out if I understand that at the minimum, the naqab is a sunnah. Mm-hmm. And the spirit of it is that you're supposed to have that added boundary, yet I'm putting my face on a platform where anybody has free reign to be able to kind of come and see what they want to see and, you know, use my photos, however. Um, and these are people who are, uh, you know, non-mahram. Um, and how am I sort of, put, you know, doing that, doing my part in um, sort of covering myself the way that the Quran and Sunnah says I should cover myself, that, that thus then allows men to lower their gaze kind of thing. Um, and so I was, I, I think I just, you know, I sat there for like a couple of minutes and I was like, you know what? first step is to just throw away everything that doesn't kind of fit in with um the idea of or or the guidelines of modesty that I'm now sort of aware of and I know that I have to commit to um and so yeah it just started off with me kind of throwing everything away and it was in lockdown anyway so it was kind of a bit like you know what I'm not going out anywhere anyway so now is the best time for me to kind of detach from these clothes um and to commit to something that's you know better for me um and just take that step um and then kind of leave it to Allah that after lockdown when everybody's back on road inshallah it will just be as easy for me to kind of still commit to it and take those steps forward um but yeah that's kind of in short the, the so, so this happened last year yeah so it um it, the journey sort of started last year but the kind of the the I think I started to take my face off of social media probably last year as well but I only fully committed to the naqab literally a couple of months ago yeah, alhamdulillah, mashallah, so would you say that it was something that you found easy after like because you obviously you've taken quite a long time and you know, in grounding yourself in like knowledge and everything like that, would you say that made it easier for you? And was the actual practical side of wearing the, the naqab something you found easy or was it something it took you a while to get adjusted? Yeah, I would say that um, one of the things that I found is that, alhamdulillah, when there's, when you have, when there's something that has good in it, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does make it easy for a person to sort of find beauty within it and to mm-hmm. sort of ground themselves within it. So I've always kind of viewed the naqab as, I've always seen it as a sunnah, alhamdulillah, but um, I've always seen it as a sunnah and I always kind of really appreciated and valued and found beautiful the women who did wear it. So it wasn't ever something that I kind of feared from or kind of um, was scared about embracing. Um, But I think the, the part of it that the, the push was basically knowing that actually it's required from me so I think I just I needed to understand that it's less about this whole idea of like choice and like doing it when you're ready and like going on this journey and actually being about the being about being the person who basically hears and obeys um, and then kind of goes on that journey once they've heard and obeyed and um, I think when it comes to sort of modesty and hijab and niqab there's this whole culture of um it being a journey essentially um but I think when you actually decide to put it on you kind of push out that idea of it being a journey and just in that moment you're just like you know what I hear and obey and I'll deal with anything that comes as a result of it so it was kind of funny because my workplace I didn't even tell them that I was doing it I literally just you know that weekend I put it on Monday they were like oh so Hasta, you know this is what you're doing now and I was mm-hmm. like yeah so like you know whatever it is you're gonna do you've got to do it and so even a lot of the um 
work that I was doing for them had to then be changed um, and like moved around because unfortunately some people just don't they they don't understand what the niqab is and they see it as like that's too far um so I remember I was having a conversation with a company um and we'd been in conversation before I decided to put on the niqab then I put it on and then we had a phone call and I was like yeah like you know um I've decided to wear the face veil all of this all of that and this is a Muslim company very you know uh, Islamic company all right and they were like oh that's a bit um you know we're, we're kind to we're trying to like um uh, appeal to the more normal Muslims and then he wow. like took it <laughs> and I was like oh. Oh. <laughs> wow. oh and I was like oh subhanAllah and you know what in that in that moment I remember like my heart like dropped in that moment because that's obviously the first time I've ever kind of been in an interaction like that mm-hmm. but soon afterwards I kind of sat back and I was like alhamdulillah because Allah ta'ala is taking away or making making easy opportunities that are not meant for me so you know working with companies that are not meant for me is no longer something that I I need to like work up the strength to verbalize but these companies that actually want to work with me will now see that okay this is what Hafsa represents do we align with that and can we now work with her and so I don't have to really do that whole process of kind of like selecting and everything um but I would say that that was that was probably it's probably interactions like that that have been the most um sort of um testing um but alhamdulillah it hasn't you know it hasn't it's it's never a thing where I'd I'd be like oh you know that's happened shall I now take off my niqab because you kind of I think the whole point of wearing the niqab is understanding that you're not doing it for people because you're not going to please anybody by wearing it um and you're not going to please anybody by taking it off so if you're doing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you're doing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's what you um kind of commit to and take steps forward doing so what about your parents how did they um kind of adjust to you wearing the niqab did they have any issues at all with it no so I think my parents have kind of always known that I've um found it beautiful and I've kind of like it was something that I was kind of aspiring to um but I've just never fully understood why or how or just taken that step um so when I finally was kind of I remember I was like throwing all my clothes away and my mum was like well, why are you doing this and I was just like yeah because I just feel like um I don't want the temptation to basically wear things that will go against um kind of the, the values that I'm trying to uphold and then um I remember I was I was telling her I was like look mum I'm taking my face off to social media like I'm gonna wear the niqab da, da, da. and it was initially just for social media it was I was kind of like you know we're in lockdown I'm not going out anywhere so it's just for social media right now and then you know we'll try and do it outside um as time goes on inshallah so I kind of told her I was like yeah, yeah, yeah I'm gonna wear it online and she she was nodding and everything she was like yeah yeah that's fine that's cool but I don't think she fully fully understood it and then I actually I posted a video with an aqab for the first time and then I think somebody sent it to her mm-hmm. um or some I think actually somebody called her and was like oh we saw your daughter in a niqab they're like oh <laughs> really oh okay and I remember she was looking at me from across the room because I, I, I could hear the conversation and I think she was waiting for me to like say say something and I was just like yeah like <laughs> so I you know I told you I was going to do this kind of thing um and then afterwards she you know we had a conversation about um sincerity and just um just ensuring that this was going to be um a, a, basically a step upwards that will continue going up inshallah not a step up that will kind of result in me kind of taking millions of step back steps backwards so alhamdulillah my, my parents were really really supportive um of that and then when I decided to wear it outside um I remember we were dropping my dad at the airport and then I was like I was getting I was getting ready and I, ju- I just didn't feel like I had finished 
Mm-hmm. And then I just ran back to my room and I put on my niqab before we were about to leave the house. And this was like 6 a.m. in the morning. And my mum was like, oh, okay. And like, we just sat in the car, like nobody, nobody even said anything kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then when we were at the airport waiting for the flight, my mum was just like, you know, um, I like how you've done it today. And like, you know, keep on, you know, making sure that you're looking. Basically, she she essentially didn't want it to be a thing where like I was covering up but then I was neglecting myself underneath. Yes, that was her main concern. So she was literally just like, yeah, make sure you still continue to look nice underneath and you look after your hair and da 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 That's the typical African mama, isn't it? You have to get your daughter married. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Yeah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Um, so yeah, alhamdulillah, my parents were all very supportive. I think, yeah, just alhamdulillah for my parents, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah that's beautiful, mashallah. So um, back to your work and what you do, you've talked about a few things in which I'm very interested in. You've written a children's book and you've you've been, um, you're you also, you're part of this um, Muslim platform. Can you talk a little bit more about that? How do you get into it, actually? Because, I mean, you've been studying at a university as well, so and you're only 22 so how did you get involved in these different projects yeah so um I actually wasn't supposed to go into this role that I'm currently in um after university so I graduated last year in about June time mm-hmm. um and I'd actually signed a contract to begin working um in investment management so I was like literally going to start a research role um and you know I'd, I'd worked with this company um every summer for the last three years because I was on like a scholarship scheme um uh, for university um so it was very like you know during Ramadan I remember I was still studying for to be able to begin this role um and I was you know studying finance doing all the research and whatever um and then I remember just thinking to myself that I don't want to do this like I I this is so close to interest and this is you know there's just so many um fitness within the world of finance for women um and for Muslims in general that it was like you know I I really don't want to do this and at the time I was getting you know messages from everybody that was saying you know congratulations the people from the firm were like you know this is amazing um you know we'll be able to support you and you know telling me all of these things about maternity leave because I think they just associate Muslim women were just having loads and loads of children so they were just like yeah maternity leave and like women's empowerment and like you know you're going to be like representing Muslim women in the workplace and all of this and all that kind of stuff and it's one of the funny things that I would say is that this world is like literally illusions subhanallah like Mm -hmm. you you can get so quickly sucked into things that actually have no benefit for you Mm -hmm. and um at that time I didn't really see it like that I just saw it I saw it as you know I don't really want to do finance I don't really want to do investment it's too close to interest and that was literally Mm -hmm. about it and I remember just having that thought and then I was um the next couple of weeks I was still uh, you know revising for these finance tests that I was going to have to do and I got a call from this uh, Muslim marketing company and they were basically just like yeah have to you know what you're doing in life you know you're about to finish university all of this, all of that we want to offer you a job and I was like wow so kind of like you know from going from a place where I just had the thought that I didn't want to go into this investment job but having no other option at that point to now going to a place where I actually have a choice to work at a company where I um, will be surrounded by Muslims and hopefully doing things that are actually you know upon Quran and Sunnah so didn't I didn't even think about it on that phone call I was like yeah you know let's set up an interview I messaged my workplace and I was like you know I know I've been here for about three years but um I'm gonna have to decline you know the offer of the graduate scheme 
um and you know we had loads and loads of back and forth um you know try, they were trying to convince me to stay all of this all of that kind of stuff but alhamdulillah I got out of that job um and then in June I began my job um with this um current organization that I work with mm-hmm. um and they they are sort of a marketing company um that works with like Muslim charities and organizations um but then they also own a majority share of this publication called MBSLIM Muslim um and so um one of the things alhamdulillah that I was able to do when I came on board was to create a new direction for MBSLIM um and really just have it be authentic in terms of what I want to get out of the platform um which is the control that I wanted to have I didn't want it to be a thing where I was kind of um listening to what other people wanted to create and then having to battle between whether or not that kind of sat in line with what my values and morals were and kind of having that tug of war so alhamdulillah um they offered me the role managing the publication and then I do some other stuff on the marketing side of things um and these are people who I'd known over the years um and you know they kind of knew the work that I'd been doing and kind of trusted me to take on that role alhamdulillah um so, so yeah what, was, what work had you been involved in before that that they knew that you was capable of doing these jobs yeah so I um for myself in terms of my platform I do a lot of marketing for other companies right. um I also ran the discovery talk show um so we hosted about I think close to between 500 and 700 uh, 750 people um and that was literally from my own from my own um sort of management funding all of that kind of stuff we were able to bring in people from across the world to be able to kind of um come and like perform and talk at the um at the talk show um and so i think from a management side of things they were kind of really interested from that perspective but then also obviously having written children's books and um written blogs and um sort of i'd Oh, actually, one of the other things was that um, when I was, so I, I kind of did a lot of like politics related things when I was younger as well, alhamdulillah, um, that brought me a lot of experiences. So I co-led a campaign back when I was like 14 or something and wow, we got like well, half a million pounds of investment um, from some random charity, subhanAllah. Um, and yeah, that was one of the things that I think, um, you know, convinced them as well that it was kind of... Um, it was a good idea to basically um, bring me on board. But as I said, I, I kind of knew these people personally. So it was like, they would help me with um, my platform. They kind of managed me as an influencer in quotations um, at the time as well. So um, they kind of knew a lot of the stuff that I'd done historically. Um, and so they'd kind of just been watching and waiting for me to finish university. And then they were like, yeah, yeah, come come work for us. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, excellent, mashallah. So can you tell us a, a little bit about your book? the books that yeah. you've written like yeah definitely so um the Sarah of the basketballer was written when I was actually in sixth form and then it was published about two years later okay. um and it's basically the story of a black Muslim girl um who wears hijab she plays basketball um but she goes on this journey of basically wanting something um and thinking that inshallah is gonna like give her that thing um and then realizing at the end what inshallah actually meant um and basically developing tawakkul while also developing self-belief and so for me the book is literally about that you know that line of you know tie your camel and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you have to do the work but then you also have to have that tawakkul in Allah um and even when things don't work work out the way that you want them to you don't decrease in those two elements you, mm-hmm. you still keep on um and you know it's all part of the qadr of Allah and that it will actually kind of benefit you in the long term 
Um, and so Alhamdulillah, we're working on the sequel to that book at the moment as well. Um, and then we also have another book with Cube Publishing that inshallah should be coming out either this year or next year um, that's kind of focused more on um, the father-son relationship um, and you know how we can portray that in a positive way and kind of because I don't think there's enough stories that kind of portray the importance of fatherhood um, yeah, of within Definitely. children's lives um, and also from an Islamic perspective of dad sort of having the responsibility of um, sort of working and providing for the family but why that is so important and why kids should kind of you know value that and, and be grateful for that um so that's the angle that we're kind of coming from for, with that book inshallah so those are those are the three that are currently um in the excellent excellent really very good mashallah so um yeah it's a lot mashallah so um obviously you've only been wearing the niqab for a few months so you haven't done any traveling or anything like that i'm assuming in that short yeah. of time because we've been here in lockdown still in the uk alhamdulillah okay mashallah so um in your experience um like you you mentioned about um you know kind of expressing um you know you have been a muslim and blackness your blackness so can you talk a little bit about that as well like because you mentioned being growing up in a muslim community was mostly you were surrounded by arabs or like asians so yeah definitely so um i think there's always kind of this um there's a battle between what you know of yourself and what other people kind of portray you as. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, when we go out into the world, when it comes to blackness, it's not portrayed in a positive way. And then when it comes to black Muslims or kind of seen as invisible or um, even like within the masajids, you have Shuyukh who'll be kind of like speaking about blackness as like this really horrible thing that isn't in line with Islam. And it, there isn't kind of like this, um, this balance of cultures. Um, but then also Sorry, can you just give an example of that as well like expand on what you what you mean by that that black um, blackness is not expressed as being something positive yeah definitely so I think there's this kind of uh, relation of like Africanness or Jamaicanness or Caribbeanness mm -hmm. with like gang culture um, and like street culture or it means that you dress in a certain way and you speak in a certain way so I've seen there's like um, kind of videos that have gone viral of um, kind of well-known shuyukh that everybody uh, you know we love and appreciate and we um, sort of you know take their knowledge quite seriously um, but they'll kind of say something that alludes to blackness um, kind of being a, a really big issue so for example there was a video um, of um them saying that you know don't don't walk like black people don't you know don't speak yeah. like black people in this way etc um and for young people hearing that i think that can be quite damaging um especially in a world that kind of wants to label you and wants to kind of paint you as a certain thing um but what i've learned in sort of recent years is that we have to step away from those labels as a community um so it's not that islam doesn't see colour but it's that we don't associate certain characteristics with certain colours and labels um, and so you know Islam very much does see colour Allah says that he created us in different nations and tribes so that we may get to know one another and it's that element of getting to know one another that I think is missing we kind of create these divides within the community we push communities out and that forces them to kind of create spaces for themselves um and and this is this is why essentially we're not able to get to know one another and why we're not able to appreciate one another and have that idea of ummah that you know the prophet you know he cried about that, that he wanted us to kind of be um be united um in that way 
Um, so yeah, I, I would say that there is this huge issue with um, anti-blackness within the Muslim community. And I would say that it affects young people a lot. Um, but I would say that it's also, it's not an excuse. Um, I would say that, you know, when we get to a certain age and you realize that, yeah, there is anti-blackness, there's racism, but that's not Islam, that's, that's Muslim. Course, yeah. um, and so, yeah, the more that you get to sort of understand that, and I think a, a, a lot of black people do, we kind of have to create that, that um, sort of divide and that distinguish those two things or else we wouldn't be Muslim, right? If, course, if we think yeah. that, you know, it's, you know, Muslims are equal to what Islam is, subhanAllah, which is, which is not the truth. Um, so, yeah, I would say that, um, well, the way in which I kind of um, found solutions at the beginning was to kind of create spaces that meant that Muslims could reconnect to their Islam. So black Muslims could come into spaces, have conversations about faith, spirituality, all of the questions and um, issues that they have with shuyukh in the room as well, who are there to kind of get a, give advice when it's required um, and really get to grips with understanding what Islam is about for them, not you know who people who who people think they should be and what islam should be through muslims and all of this kind of thing um and so th that's why the discovery talk show that we created two years ago was super important because it was it was that kind of space we had a sister who she created a youtube video and i remember watching it a couple of months after the talk show and she was basically saying that when she walked into that space she was crying because she'd never walked into a space where she didn't feel like she had to defend her culture she felt like she could just be muslim in that room and just be a muslim woman who wants to learn and seek knowledge um so i think it's really important that we we not only kind of have these spaces but then we take what we learn from that into the spaces that have the issues and make them more accessible because that's essentially what we want we want the we don't want to always be divided. We don't always want to have to kind of rely on spaces that just facilitate to back Muslims. We want to be able to actually create that unity by sharing the understanding and inshallah empathy as well. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, that sounds amazing. I can definitely identify with that, you know, because I've listened to many speakers and, you know, occasionally you'll hear things which, and I, and I think to myself, I find it so offensive, you know, especially when it comes to like, obviously relating to blackness we're talking about, but like you hear sometimes they mention things like about hair right mm -hmm. so I remember listening um to you know a, a speaker he's quite well known and he mentioned that you know once upon a time like his, he he used to let his hair grow long and it looked like an afro and it's like his hair would look so ridiculous and it was like a big mop and I just thought like why like you know you're saying that you know if you're if you if you all hair like you know because he's Arab as well so it's like you know yeah. there's some Arab people they have their hair is like you know they have textured hair it's like similar with yeah. afro hair do you know what I mean it's like on the way like that but he talked about it in such a negative way and I just thought like you know why are you talking about something that Allah created in such a negative way like that is bad you know fair mm -hmm. enough if you don't like having your hair big like that but it's the natural state for somebody. You know what I mean? And I think it comes from a place of not knowing. They literally don't have they don't have the knowledge of, of, of that. They don't have the understanding of actually wait, people people do have hair like that and that's completely normal and that's not something that they can do anything about. But if we were to have those kind of conversations where it's like actually what you said was problematic for this reason this reason and this reason and you know we, we definitely I think it's not to take away from the knowledge of these individuals either it's not to take away from you know that their, their scholarly understanding but context and knowing the people that you're speaking to and knowing the communities is so so important the Prophet Muhammad 
he spoke with knowledge of the people that he was speaking to he wouldn't want to alienate people within the community especially if that he's not alienating based based on their um based on sinfulness but you're alienating people based on what what something that Allah has created essentially something that Allah has perfected um so yeah I think it's just literally the understanding element subhanallah so yeah it's a perceptions of beauty as well you know and I think that this is one of the things for me personally I hope that inshallah can be changed through a lot of this you know black awareness that we're doing like in the Muslim community especially now because I think that that it's like one of the big things there's a lot of kind of um you know talk about stuff like that and as I said it's like negative perceptions of what like you know especially like when it comes to beauty related things like black mm -hmm. is not seen as something attractive or beautiful especially in the Muslim community I think even like western culture there's kind of been quite a big shift towards you know people well it seems that they're trying to make you know things that are you know African for example becoming mm -hmm. very fashionable now and things like the African culture and Caribbean culture has become very fashionable because I remember growing up um in school because obviously I'm, I'm African Caribbean so my mom's from the Caribbean and mm -hmm. um, my dad's African so you know just growing up in school like because I had hair people used to be like oh like you know your hair's really nice it's really long and this and that and you know they'd be like oh it must be because your mom's from the Caribbean you know not because mm -hmm. my dad's African because of course like everybody thinks that Africans are bald right <laughs> that we can't grow hair so yeah. and it was just like well actually like my African family they've got much longer hair than mine mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's not it's not as you think but these are the kind of perceptions that I grew up with and you know especially um, I think generally being the Caribbean is something that people have always seen in a more positive light like in it you know Car mm -hmm. the Caribbean it gets a lot of um you know kind of you know it's a tourist destination everybody yeah. sees something very beautiful and you know mm -hmm. attractive that you know everybody wants to go there but when you talk about Africa it, the people just directly relate it to poverty um you know mm -hmm. living in slums or living in mud huts or um starvation you know all these mm -hmm. negative kind of ideals people don't know how it is like in Africa and actually that African Caribbean they're not actually any different but from mm -hmm. you've got a continent and then you've got some islands they're practically exactly the same you know and subhanallah I've even spoken to sisters like who from Turkey for example and when I was showing them you know images of um, you know Ghana when I went there recently mm -hmm. um it was just like that just looks like Turkey wow and my mum was like, really, like she was surprised that they that that my friends were saying that, and, and and you know, and I said, well, like, is it that surprising? You know, we've got a lot more in common cross culturally mm -hmm. than we actually, you know, realise. You know, exactly. I mean? mm -hmm. and I think mm -hmm. it's just like you said, people put these kind of barriers between you know between different cultures, but the more you learn about other people and other cultures, the more you realise actually there's a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. you know, so there's less there's less differences between us than there are the commonalities but people focus on the differences and use that to kind of you know make divisions and you know Definitely. do you know what I mean which isn't good 100% 100% I mean Allah guide us all because honestly I think as you said it's literally having those spaces to um kind of create that understanding the fact that you had that conversation with your friend who might have like literally opened her eyes up to the fact that it's not as foreign as we think yeah um, and I think media plays a huge role in kind of um kind of otherizing a lot of communities and that, I think that's why things like books um and just having spaces where there's conversations had um that, that means that you don't necessarily have to 
you know, meet that one black person, but actually there's a wealth of information out there that means that you have the opportunity to find that knowledge quite easily, um, I think is important, inshallah. Inshallah. So alhamdulillah, um, coming back to the Naqab sister, because mashallah, I think we could talk about so many different things here, but let's stick on topic, inshallah. Um, I want to ask you, have you met anybody um, in your, obviously you're only 22, but in your time, like, because you've obviously know a lot of people and things like that have you met anyone that's ever been forced into wearing the niqab and um on the flip side have you met anybody who really wants to wear the niqab but hasn't because they're not allowed yeah i i think i've i've heard a lot of um sisters kind of messaging me especially when, once i'd released my um uh, the video uh the first video that i made in niqab and um, i had a lot of sisters messaging me saying that they wanted to dress more modestly wear hijab wear niqab but then you know they're familial conditions wouldn't allow them to um or certain kind of there were certain kind of obstacles in their life and barriers that were stopping them from doing that um but I've never heard of a, a sister who has been forced into it I've never been messaged by a sister who's been forced into it I've never kind of had an interaction with anybody who's been forced into hijab or niqab um Allah you know uh, help those and guide those families who do but alhamdulillah I've never kind of had those those interactions Alhamdulillah. And um, what um, would you advise other sisters who would like to wear the niqab? Like when people message you, what kind of advice do you give them? I would say it's very much dependent on their situation. But a lot of the time, um, there's, as I said at the beginning, there's kind of this hesitation because we think we have time um, or we think that it's not for us right now or we have to, you know, get ready or, or, or do something specifically. Um, but I would say that Islam is not, you know islam this whole idea of journey is like um it's not something that is kind of like written when it comes to the hijab and you know addressing more modestly our first priority and our first point of call is that we want to please allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so it's here and obey and then you kind of deal with what happens afterwards obviously i'm not talking about people who are kind of going to face abuse and violence as a result of it but a lot of, a lot of our sisters we kind of just have that hesitation especially when it comes to kind of seeing what people do online we kind of get swept away and into the illusion of it not being um for us or something that we can do or something that we're capable of doing but a lot of a lot of the time all sisters need to understand is that here is here and obey just take that step just do it um and then you know find the community of sisters that are going to help you and keep you accountable um, and, and support you and inspire you through that. I would also say, say like, have a look at who you're following, have a look at what content you're consuming on a daily basis. If you're constantly seeing sisters that are wearing different versions of hijab and wearing hijab with, you know, makeup or tight clothing or whatever, you're definitely going to be more swayed in that direction than you are to um, sort of dedicating yourself to um, committing to the niqab. So if that is something you genuinely want to do, start following sisters that are not even just wearing the niqab, but they're wearing, you know, full, um, full uh, abaya, jilbab, yeah. everything, um, and follow people who are doing it better than you, not people who are um, kind of, you know, not necessarily covering the way that Islam um, says that we should cover. And then that way you'll kind of always be inspired to kind of, um, do better and, and hold yourself accountable and be more critical of yourself um but i would say that definitely just realize that this life is literally just all illusions the most of the fears that you have are you know fears that actually when it comes down to it 
you shouldn't actually be that scared for me you know it was I had to you know go back and you know for, for two years we've been working on the discovery talk show you know we've poured thousands and thousands of pounds into it and one of my fears was that you know I, I can't keep that footage up I cannot keep that footage up because you know I'm dressed in a way that doesn't fit with how I believe islamically I need to be dressed and so anybody who views that and is inspired to dress in dress in that way or is viewing me and is you know seeing as of my body that they shouldn't be seeing that's sinful for me mm-hmm. and thinking about that and thinking about the fact that I could go to sleep and not wake up and then that's what that's what I've left essentially behind mm. was scary and so it was like I don't have a choice but to delete all of this before I go to sleep I can't go I can't continue like throughout my day without correcting all of those things that I have essentially learned is wrong and when you kind of see life from that perspective of this is essentially what you're leaving behind and this is essentially what you're going to be judged upon then I think inshallah it should be a lot easier um and I would say that be be very grounded in the decision that you make before you kind of go public with it as well Mm -hmm. be like sit with it make dua about it seek knowledge about it um and and really do that independently don't kind of go to your friends and be like oh this is what I want to do can you inspire me can you motivate me all of this kind of stuff because that that's very limited in terms of how how steadfast that's going to keep you but if you know why you're doing it and you have the knowledge of it and you know that you're doing it just for the sake of Allah and you're being and you know you've prayed for sincerity within that then inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it easy for you and keep you steadfast inshallah, inshallah. yeah just um subhanallah what you said is really so important about like the image that you put out there of yourself especially on social media and you know that's like what you're leaving behind and I think this is something a lot of us are not reflecting on when it comes to social media you know sometimes Muslims seem to kind of have this idea that it's it's not real you know mm. they can do something on social media even though they wouldn't do that maybe in real life mm. social media it's like it's the cyber world but actually it's still real and those sins that you commit online they still count you know, mm-hmm. so this is really important. Um, I wanted to ask you as well about the, um, the, the more about the discovery talk show that you've been doing. Um, is that on, is that a social media platform? Yeah, so um, it used to be a, a YouTube channel where we basically right. uh, we'd have the talk show once a year and then we'd kind of create five to six episodes from it and then post that online um and so those conversations that we were having kind of in those spaces um it was based in east london at the time so we we had like a huge um kind of theater that all of us would kind of come to um it would be a ticketed event and you know it was brothers and sisters we kind of segregated um and then we kind of would just have discussions and then you know the the basically the footage of that would be edited into kind of like a talk show style and then placed online so initially all of that content was online um but yeah it's no longer available anymore at this point okay well alhamdulillah inshallah inshallah in future you can do something new that is more you know hijab kind of compliant yeah that makes sense. yeah we're, we're kind of we're, we're rebranding at the moment inshallah i think it's, okay. it's we can definitely keep the same idea but it's just about making sure that it, again fits in with the guidelines that um we're kind of aware of now inshallah that's really good alhamdulillah so um in the community um, and in your experiences generally within the muslim community and as well as the non-muslim community would you say that um there was a difference between how sisters who wear the hijab get treated compared to sisters who wear the niqab and well i think back when i was um kind of creating the spaces that i did and doing the stuff that i did i don't think i was as aware of it um because obviously it wasn't it wasn't my personal experience I would 
in, in what I would be doing, it would be completely normal. Like a sister in niqab and a sister in hijab is literally, for me, it looks like the same thing mm-hmm. in the sense that we're both covering for the sake of Allah. There's nothing else to it. Um, and that's, they're both a part of Islam. They're both a part of the faith. And, um, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, if, the, if it's from the sunnah, then, you know, it's as, it's as much relevant as if it's in the Quran kind of thing. So there wasn't any kind of, you know, this is extreme, this isn't extreme, this is moderate, this is, you know, whatever. Um, and I think also when I was, um, when I was younger, I did this, um, uh, this season of um, kind of uh, shows on uh, Islam channel, I think I was like 14 or something. Um, and one of the sisters that I actually did it with was an Akabi. So it was very much that she was, you know, we were both in the same space, we were both doing the same job, both presenting. Um, and so, you know, there wasn't any ever a distinction between what she could do and what I could do and what I couldn't do and what she could do. Um, and so I would say that I w- very much wasn't aware of it before, but now that I'm, I think also the times have changed probably in the last sort of 10 to, to 10 to 15 years. Um, and it's just become a thing where as the media and non-Muslims have created this polarization of the niqab, uh, especially now there's the whole conversation of like being able to wear a mask, but not being able to wear a niqab in certain countries. Um, and, you know, kind of villainizing the niqab. We've had our, you know, our prime minister comparing, not even our prime minister, the prime minister, um, comparing the niqab to like, uh, you know, villains and letterboxes and all of, the, all of this kind of narrative. I think that one of the things um, that is really difficult when it comes to Muslim organizations is that as much as, you know, they have the title of like Muslim or, you know, this sort of Islamic charity or whatever, a lot of the time they do kind of want to fit into the acceptable version of Islam. And the Niqab unfortunately doesn't even fit into kind of um, the most strictest of, you know, um, acceptable versions of Islam. It kind of just sits on this um, periphery of it being um, sort of super extreme. Um, And so even though they will entitle themselves Muslim, they would steer away from the niqab and find it diff i think especially men maybe not muslim uh, muslim women who are visibly muslim within those companies but muslim men um they just seem to have a problem with it as well i remember i was um i went live on a uh, on a channel uh, on a channel's um instagram uh, probably like last week or something and there were about 10 comments that were made on the live because it was pretty short it was like 10 to 15 minutes mm-hmm. and probably like seven out of 10 of those comments were men complaining about the fact that I had chosen to cover my face, like Muslim men complaining about the fact that I chose to cover my face. And it was just so alarming to think that a Muslim woman can decide to remove her hijab and men will have a problem with it. A Muslim woman can decide to wear a niqab and men will have a problem with it. Where, where do we take our Islam from as Muslims? Like where, where do we take our baseline from? Do we take it from the media or do we take it from the Quran and Sunnah? Um, and so I would say that there definitely there is a difficulty for um, I can I can only imagine that sisters who've been wearing the niqab for you know 20 30 odd years um, have been having to kind of deal with this um, issue of kind of being alienated from the non-Muslim community but then also having to face you know non-Muslim brothers and sometimes sisters also making comments and you know having stuff to say about um, you know their, their choice to follow the sunnah um, so yeah uh, it's difficult it's difficult subhanallah. Yeah, it is subhanAllah. I mean, I, I mean, I know that in, even in my community, I've had like, you know, I've had these kind of issues as well. It's not been so much. I think there's been, there's been like, on the one hand, there's a lot of support, but at the same time, then there's 
groups of people or you know some selected individuals they always have to kind of make comments towards the niqab and let me know that I don't have to wear it and yeah things like that you know and I just think like you know there's a difference of opinion between the scholars whether it's fired or recommended so Mm -hmm. either which way it's better for you to wear it so like you know but it's like they want to always make sure that it's like oh yeah you know you don't have to wear this you live in England now you know (laughs) I mean even even um, uh, there's, there was a sister who once told me that it's, she told me haram alaikum because wow. yeah, this is like after I, I, I just know kind of in the beginning when I started wearing it, maybe a year or so after I started wearing it and I just thought like subhanallah and she said oh you know we've got more important things to do before we can start doing this and I just thought well really you know <laughs> like surely we just have to do as much as we can you know it's not as it's not a situation where like let's wait till all these boxes are checked and then yeah then we can start practicing our religion properly it's not about that you know but this is kind of how people um people see it I I don't know it's like yeah people have this kind of perception that in order to be able to practice Islam you need to not practice it Mm. until you can build up a certain amount of strength and then Mm -hmm. you can start doing it but you cannot practice you, you cannot become good at something unless you're practicing it you can't become become a good writer by not writing you know I mean you can't become a good artist by not making art you have to actually take time doing that thing consistently with commitment you know Mm -hmm. and with the goal in mind like you know seriously practice you know relentlessly practice so I think when it comes to our dean a lot of times people don't see see it like that everybody's like Mm -hmm. you know take it easy take it easy and yeah we should to an extent take it easy in the sense that we don't kind of you know be so hard on ourselves that we get depressed Mm -hmm if we're you know we feel like we're falling behind and things like that but you know we need to take it seriously it should be something that we take really seriously and I find Mm. it disappointing as a Muslim sometimes when I see how the community is like with the work ethic in general like the way we see things like we 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 rely on Allah's mercy so much that it's like we become lazy because we just yeah. know Allah's going to be merciful. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, and I we think, think Allah is merciful. Yeah, it's like, and, and yes, Allah is merciful. And we obviously, we must always hope for Allah's mercy. Mm. We shouldn't despair. But, you know, there's a flip side to that. Allah, Allah has anger as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and Allah talks about the people who made him angry. And we don't want to, be, it's for a reason he's reminding us about that. We don't want to be those people that Allah made angry. That means mm-hmm. that we need to do some work. We need to obey him. We need to, you know, put the effort in. You know, when you fall short, then obviously there's, the door of repentance is always open, you know. But I think we take the mick sometimes, to be honest. Yeah. Like, and I'm well, talking personally yeah. just even about my own self. Yeah, I'm not like, this is not for somebody else. This is for me. Yeah. Like, I'm talking about my own self. Like, you know, yeah. there's certain things. You know, you, you, you know you're doing that you should not be doing. And yeah. you need to be doing something else. That is going to be more beneficial. It's going to help you in your deen. It's going to help you come close to Allah. But you just don't do it because you mm-hmm. know Allah is going to be merciful. And, you know, we have this kind of thing now in the culture where everything's like all fluffy and lovely and rosy. And we only want to hear all the lovely, lovely things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that isn't how life is. Yeah. That's just not how it is. There's good and there's bad. You know, mm-hmm. there's the there's the positive and the, the negative and, you know, the things that are easy and the things that are hard. The two things, mm-hmm. they always come together. So we shouldn't be fo- so focused on what, you know, seems easy and lovely and nice all the time. We have to focus on the other things because the reality is Allah talks in the Quran about the hellfire and the paradise together, you know, mm-hmm. and that's for a reason. Some of us are motivated by fear and some of mm-hmm. us are motivated by love, you know. Definitely. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just think that, you know, as I said, in the Muslim community, like when I look at the non-Muslims and things that people are achieving purely out of the desire for the dunya, it makes me feel ashamed as a Muslim that they can have so much zeal and, you know, work ethic and passion mm-hmm. and drive for something which is temporary and mm-hmm. us as Muslims we don't have that same kind of desire and passion and zeal and work ethic for the eternal like you know the hereafter you know yeah. our focus is on like it's even even in the dunya we're not even like we're not even up to scratch do you know what I mean like yeah. even if it's just that but at the same time that seems to be all that we're chasing and we mm-hmm. sacrifice anything to do with the akhirah because oh well we need to live yeah when when the reality is we don't know how long we're going to be here for anyway you know mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. so that that that's that's that saddens me to be honest but like this is why that, that's what motivates me at the same time to like mm-hmm. just keep going like you know when you have the, projects like this and like things that you're doing as well and I can imagine like you have like similar experiences you know there's a big age gap between us by the way but <laughs> I feel proud when I um you know meet sisters like you who are so young and who are you know your mind is like so conscious and you're doing a lot of things like in the community and you know may Allah make it easy for you to continue and like bless you with so many more opportunities and reward you for the work that you're doing I mean because I think it's it's good it's motivating especially for you know you're spending your youth for Allah's sake as well so there's so much reward in that Inshallah, inshallah. The last time to keep us all sincere and accepted from us because all we can do is try, I think, at the end of the day and just um keep pushing forward and you know, readjusting when we when whenever we kind of slightly go off the path. Um but as you said that it's it's kind of really putting things into perspective um and, and doing that on a you know a daily, hourly basis where you make your decisions based off of the fact that you know that essentially you're making a decision between Jannah and Jahannam at every point in the day which have everything that you decide to do every word that you decide to utter it's literally like Jannah or Jahannam is this going to bring me closer towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or further away um but yeah no subhanAllah it's, it's not easy it's not easy alhamdulillah subhanAllah anyways alhamdulillah it's been really lovely talking to you today and I'm going to ask you the fast uh, the last question I'm going to ask you the last question inshallah to um, close the interview which is what does the niqab mean to you Oh, um, funnily enough, I think it's the first time I've felt completely at peace um, with everything that I'm like trying to do. Um, I think the naqab genuinely means um, being at peace with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially with the fitna of of like dressing mod- or dressing immodestly and um, you know, this whole conversation of lowering gaze. And then I think there's, there's so much um, fitna that's you know described about women that will that can lead them into jahannam and so for me knowing that i've kind of done this visa bilallah um it just puts my heart at peace and i think it's, it's also it's a test because you always constantly have to live up to the clothing that you wear um so yeah i would say peace and a test um and definitely something that inshallah i pray that Allah Taala accepts it from us all the people mm-hmm. who decide to dress modestly every every action that we do for his sake i pray that Allah Taala allows us to have sincerity in it um and that he um allows us you, you know allows our sins to be covered for us and ex- and you know is has merciful um towards us on the day of judgment allahumma ameen 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 jazakallah sister thank you so much for taking your time um joining me today to do this interview and i'm sure inshallah the sisters listening will really have thoroughly enjoyed it 
And sisters, if you are listening, then please leave a comment in the description box if you're listening on YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and share, inshallah. Jazakallah khair for everybody listening. And yeah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.